I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is our uh, host each and every week. And Frank McKay, proud to be her her co-host, her co-pilot on this. And and uh, she's the author of 16 books. She is the subject of a documentary. Uh, she was the subject of a long uh, radio series before becoming the host of, of her own show. And... Uh, and a podcast and radio. Uh, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Frank. You know, usually when people say, uh, uh, let's talk about the weather, it's a casual thing when you have nothing else to say and it's just, it's lighthearted, it's uh, superficial, it's whatever. But it, it's it, it's not the case when you get down to some serious weather problems and, and climate problems. And you and I were just talking about the weather, and I think we're going to continue to talk the, uh, about the weather here. Uh, nothing casual or funny about the weather we're experiencing around the, the country, around the world. That's true. Absolutely. Yes, uh, the uh, worldwide weather, weather situation is grave because there has been a drought in Africa, in Europe, and in the United States, especially in the Southwest. And, of course, I'm here in Texas, and Texas has had virtually no rain since April, since April began. And that's, of course, April and May are supposed to be the rainy seasons when the crops can grow and so forth. But what's happened is that it has been so dry that all of the crops have shriveled and died. Uh, my lawn is dead. My neighbor's lawns are all dead. This isn't a, a, a peculiar situation. Uh, and across across Texas, if you take a drive out in the country, there's hardly a spot of green anywhere because there has been no rain. And uh, the Rio Grande, uh, the, the great river by name, uh, is almost dry. And Lake Falcon, which is very near the, uh, the mouth of the Rio Grande, is 9% full. And Amistad International Reservoir is at 30%, which sounds like a lot of water to me. <laughs> but 30% is not much, and of course that is... Uh, taking care of a lot of uh, small towns and, uh, and villages and farms and ranches, and it will not last. We need rain, and uh, we are not getting it. Farmers are having to sell off their, uh, that is, ranchers are having, and farmers too. Dairy cattle are being sold on the market for beef, as are beef cattle, because there's no grain being grown to feed them. And it would cost more to buy the grain uh, to feed the cattle than the cattle will bring if they're sold later. And so they're being sold now. Uh, and so it goes. It is a dire situation. More than 96% of Texas is in moderate to exceptional drought and this has been the hottest summer from April to now on record. So that's uh, that goes back over 100 years, well, almost uh, 150, I expect. So our, um, 
Our leaders, however, have uh, refused to acknowledge the reality of climate change. So there's no mention of climate change in the planning for the future uh, of Texas, uh, and I will go into that a little more deeply. Hmm. The, um, this two, 2022 drought uh, is not as bad as the 77-month drought of the 1950s. And that almost killed everything and everybody. But uh, it is it seems to be worse than the drought of 2011. And there was a drought uh, back then, too. So that's, uh, that's 11 years ago. We've had this before. And planning was more or less the same for, for coping with it because, of course, our Republican uh, administration refuses to acknowledge that uh, climate change is real. Yeah. Now, uh, we, have, um, we have a public utility commission, uh, which is supposed to supply us with enough electricity, uh, which it did not two years ago when, uh, when we were struck by a winter storm that was unprecedented because of climate change. Uh, and many people, hundreds of people, froze to death. And nothing has been done about it yet. Although uh, our state, uh, Democratic state legislators went to Washington to beg for help with that issue as, as well as for voting rights issues um, uh, to... Uh, to pass the Voting Rights Act, and nothing was done in Washington there either at that time, thanks thanks to the filibuster. Uh, as far as the water uh, is concerned, the Texas Water Development Board is responsible for keeping people and crops and industries from drying up. And the governor, so Governor Abbott, appoints at the, uh, that uh, development board's uh, personnel, and there are two people appointed for that, and they draft plans, and of course they call committees together to draft plans for the, for the coming five years. And the plan uh, is admirable for, be, admirable for being long-term, uh, and it is focused on meeting the, Texas's needs uh, up to 2070, when the population will be uh, supposedly 73% higher, and water supply will be uh, at least 18% lower uh, than it is right now uh, during this drought. So the plan offers 5,800 strategies uh, with almost all of them focusing on conservation. So that is going to cost, the estimated cost for that is $80 billion, and $218, that is, without accounting for future inflation. And the problem is that it does not um, have matching funds coming from anywhere to uh, to supply those uh, billions of dollars, uh, and it, it does not take into cons consideration environmental concerns, 
uh, or political vicissitudes and considerations that hinder action anyway. And what they want to do is to conserve water through uh, the rural, uh, the rural part of Texas, which has more facilities to to retain and maintain a water supply. The problem is that rural communities are not equipped to do any of that, and they are not receiving any money to do so. No money is being allocated to the uh, to the rural communities to help out with this with this plan. So um, the biggest problem uh, is that I think the biggest problem of all is that it does not uh, use the phrase in its plan uh, of the phrase about climate change, except in citing references, of course. So other people uh, in the bibliography will be talking about climate change, but not not the uh, Texas Water Development Board itself. No, because they don't believe it, it is real. So they always are looking backward rather than forward uh, in their, uh, both in their elect- plans for our electricity and uh, plans for our water supply. So uh, as far as the Texas administration that we have right now is concerned, the, f- the future is very bleak indeed that anything will be done to help with the problem which is present and desperate right now. And people are already, uh, especially ranchers, uh, are already feeling the impact of it and are going broke because they have to sell off their livelihood, namely their cattle. And so there we are. Okay, then. What is the situation in San Antonio itself? Well, San Antonio is an oasis, really, because it's sitting on top of the Edwards Aquifer, which is a vast, uh, really total, not totally explored cavern full of water. And the Edwards Aquifer has been the unique supply of water for San Antonio for uh, decades, for over a century. And uh, lately, uh, it has been augmented by piped-in water from uh, from lakes in the hill, hill country. And so we're not totally dependent right now on the Edwards Aquifer. But the problem is, the Edwards, even the Edwards Aquifer, with its billions and billions of uh, gallons of water, is not, first of all, it's not safe from pollution, nor is it being recharged, because it is regularly recharged by rainfall, that is, if there is any. And um, there hasn't, there hasn't been. And the, the city council here in San Antonio has been smart enough to create a plan for saving water. And we are in stage two of water conservation right now. Uh, stage one is uh, fairly restrictive, and that is, is uh, when the water level, according to the, the sea, the sea level, uh, when the water level drops below sea level, uh, then uh, stage one begins. And it means that landscape watering with irrigation systems or sprinklers or even soaker hoses 
is only allowed once a week, and then at specific times uh, from 7 to 11 a.m. and 7 11, to 11 p.m. So one, uh, and then only on specific days, according to your address. And my day is Monday. And I have a sprinkler system in my front yard, which I use on Monday only from 7 to 11. So I, it starts at 7. And so I have kept my front lawn green, more or less. It's, it's also looking pretty peaked right now. But my backyard has no sprinkler system, and so it's dead. It is all brown or gray. And gray, of course, means totally dead. Okay, so that's one restriction. And residential fountains and outdoor commercial fountains can operate um, continually on stage one. But... um, and watering with a handheld hose is also allowed uh, because most people won't stand out in the 100-degree heat with a handheld hose and water, water any, uh, to any, at, at any length or for any length of time. And uh, watering uh, or washing off your driveway, for instance, with a hose is totally prohibited. So dri- parking lots, driveways, streets, or sidewalks. None of those should get a drop of water from uh, from the citizens. Uh, ex- the only uh, water should be coming from above, which it hasn't been. And uh, car washing is only allowed. Um, let's see. Uh, car washing is only allowed uh, with a hose that has uh, cut off so that you can... Uh, wet down your car and then uh, scrub it with a cloth and then uh, open the hose again and rinse that off. But if you leave your hose running, that is against the law now. And operators of golf courses and athletic fields and parks have to have a conservation plan submitted to the San Antonio water system for, uh, for inspection. And uh, they are pretty severe about, uh, about especially golf courses, because they use huge amounts of water to keep their greens green. And hotels and motels and other lodgings also they have to have a plan uh, clearly uh, articulated and submitted to the San Antonio Water System uh, Board. Uh, and also the uh, uh, non, non-changing of sheets and towels daily, as is usually the case in motels and hotels, uh, will not be done unless uh, the, uh, the client uh, demands it because of some accident, perhaps, or some other legitimate reason. So these are the water restrictions in San Antonio right now. And this is this. We are in stage two. Stage one is slightly less stringent, um, but in, uh, if it goes uh, below the lowest point at recorded, of course, we will be in stage three, which means we can't water our lawns or wash our cars or do anything like that. Period. However, uh, as I say, we are we do have a water supply still. The problem is that the city council unfortunately has allowed developers 
uh, to build new housing in the recharge zone, uh, which is where most of the, the rainwater uh, gets in through crevices and caves and, and so on uh, into the uh, Edwards Aquifer when it does rain. And so the, um, uh, the recharge zone is, is being uh, invaded and um, compromised. And I have a story, a personal story. Uh, this happened in 2001 or two. I forget exactly the date. But uh, it was something that, uh, that I was involved in personally. And it had to do already in those days with conservation, uh, protection of the Edwards Aquifer, at least as far as I was concerned. That was my real uh, um, object in uh, joining the uh, the cause, and I'll talk. I'll tell you about it. The PGA tried to come to San Antonio. Uh, I had just joined my present church, which is Our Lady of Guadalupe Church on El Paso Street, which is in the near west side of the city. And the west side of the city is the Hispanic Quarter, which was a slum for many years. So the Professional Golfers Association of America, the PGA, made a bid to build a huge complex that would have a large hotel, recreation facilities other than golf, and many acres covered by the links and several acres of parking lots. The corporation intended to buy land to the north of San Antonio directly over the Edwards Aquifer recharge zone. So at that time, I was a volunteer activist for two social services organizations, COPS and Metro Alliance. And COPS stands for Committees Organized for Public Service. And that's the Catholic organization. And Metro Alliance uh, is, is obvious. Uh, that is the Protestant church partner. Well, COPS had been founded by my church uh, when the Jesuit order took it over in the, the late 1930s. And uh, it, COPS all by itself, had uh, achieved much in the slums of San Antonio, the west side, providing affordable housing, for one thing, paving its dirt roads, adding sidewalks and street lighting, and flood control. Uh, in other words, installing a sewer system, which had not existed before, to drain off the water from uh, rainstorms, which used to occur here, uh, which normally flooded large areas of the slums, so that people couldn't drive or get to school or get to work. Uh, and then a large factory building uh, on the west side was uh, destined to be torn down uh, and turned into parking lots, uh, but it was instead, thanks to uh, intervention by cops, uh, was turned into a fully operational hospital dedicated to t TB, which was very bad back then, and diabetes, which is still very bad right to this, this moment. Both of them uh, rampant diseases on the west side. And the Jesuits were still, uh, they were still, in 19, uh, that is 2001, they were still the backbone of COPS and Metro Alliance. Uh, 
and they opposed PGA's plans for two reasons. First, of course, was building was that building a huge complex uh, that would involve a sewage system for a large hotel and the recreation facilities, and it would involve uh, parking lots. Uh, and of course, the sewage system might very well leak into the aquifer, which would be right below. Uh, and uh, runoff from the parking lots, such as oil and spilled gasoline and other pollutants, could, uh, with rain, the rainfall, leak directly into the aquifer. So for those reasons, uh, the PGA, uh, the, uh, the cops and Metro opposed the PGA plan. So, um, and of course, the other thing was the hundreds of thousands of gallons of water used to irrigate the uh, the lakes, the Gulf lakes, to keep them green during the hot, dry summer, of course. Uh, that would be another drain that would deplete the city water supply. And one other reason that uh, cops uh, pr- uh, opposed the PGA uh, uh, plan was the PGA was coming because of the promise of cheap labor. We have immigrants here, undocumented immigrants, who will work for half of what a white worker would uh, would work for. And so I think PGA, on the QT, of course, uh, was planning to use such workers. And uh, many Hispanics here in town will work for less uh, because... Uh, because of so um, so they they thought they could have this operation and run it uh, on the cheap, and so they were very anxious to come. Now the information uh, from the city council was that those opposed to PGA's plans. Of course, city council at that point was for PGA's uh, coming because it would bring so much business and tourism into San Antonio, and that would be great for the city, uh, forgetting the fact that uh, we may might have a polluted water supply as a result. That didn't matter. Uh, they didn't think about that. Uh, but anyway, they uh, told the cops in Metro that they would have to gather 20,000 signatures for the council to consider blocking PGA's plans. And so, uh, a number of the parishioners of my church, including me, struck out to gather signatures. Of course, I was an activist in COPS at that point. And I walked the streets. I had a companion part of the time, but most of the time I was walking the streets alone. And then on the west side, that uh, people were saying, oh, you might be in danger. Well, I never found myself in danger, but... I sure did gather signatures, and I gathered them in my own uh, area, although I I, uh, encountered a lot of opposition uh, on the north north side, which is where I live, uh, because uh, most of the uh, voters at that point were Republican and uh, were pro-business, and so they were pro-PGA. But I did gather a total of 3,000 little over 3,000 signatures all by myself. And uh, together, all of us together, had gathered the 20,000 signatures. And so we were told by the city council, okay, you can, uh, you, uh, cops and metro, can uh, bargain with PGA. 
Well, in the meantime, um, I think uh, former Mayor Nelson Wolf had offered a large chunk of property uh, out uh, on the east of, um, I think it was on the east, it might have been way out on the west side, uh, out where Camp Bullis is uh, in that area uh, for PGA, rather than the the tract of land they were uh, trying to buy on the north side. And uh, I was told, I didn't survey the land, but I was told that it was equally attractive uh, for a golf course, a prospective golf course. But PGA didn't want it. No, thank you. We want the one we originally uh, bid on, although uh, it might might pollute the the Edwards Aquifer. Well, that would be too bad. So, uh, anyway, we bargained with PGA. I was not in on that, sort of, uh, at that level, obviously. Uh, But PGA actually won because they said, okay, we will pay the workers the regular, the normal wage for white uh, workers, um, but we want to uh, to build where we want to build. And and Copson Metro, the, uh, the leadership folded and accepted that. But ultimately, PGA did not choose San Antonio. It chose Phoenix, which is equally bad because yeah. Phoenix is also water poor. Uh, but uh, it chose Phoenix instead of San Antonio. Why? Because of the hostility of the people of San Antonio. And <laughs> And the hostility of the people was precisely those workers, those streetwalkers like myself, who went out and gathered all those signatures. And all those signatures told the tale also that uh, the uh, populace of San Antonio uh, did not want them. And so they, they heeded that much more than the official opposition to their coming here. So... Copson Metro lost the battle, or half lost the battle, but the people won. So uh, that was uh, that was back in 2001, and my main reason for for sweating through gathering all those signatures as I walked and knocked on door after door was the, the environment, keeping keeping our water pure. But unfortunately, thanks to the city council allowing uh, developers to build housing tracts right up there in the north on the north side where PGA would have been, we have polluted water now. So we have chlorine in the water and other chemicals in the water. And it, uh, when when I first moved to mine. The Edwards Aquifer water tasted like rainwater. It was delicious water, pure. And now it is full of God only knows how many chemicals because the city has allowed it to become polluted, even though we struggled very hard to keep it pure. But the good thing about all this is that we at least have water where other communities are completely dry or nearly dry, because their water reservoirs are down to 9% or less. Wow. Wow. That was a shock. Now, this numbers. morning I woke up to the news 
that there was a huge rainstorm uh, in North Texas, and especially in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then in some places in Dallas, 12 inches of rain fell between 8 p.m. last night and 8 p.m. this morning, and 8 a.m. this morning. If you can imagine a foot of water in 12 hours, what would you do with that? What would Mother Earth be able to do with that? Some people will say, oh, well, that would solve the problem of the drought. But no, it won't, because it will not stay. Uh, if if there's an aquifer, it might uh, end up in the aquifer up there. <laughs> there are a bunch of lakes around uh, Dallas. I, I bet people back east don't realize, but there are probably 10 or 12 lakes right, right around the city. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of water sports going on in <laughs> In that, uh, in that southwestern town. Uh, but in any case, they are full up, that's for sure. And uh, uh, many of the streets and, and bridges and so on have been overwhelmed. And uh, flights have been canceled, and maybe some, some of you have suffered from that because Dallas, which is a hub for uh, air, the airlines, for American Airlines in particular and Southwest Airlines, uh, they've had to cancel most of their flights on account of the heavy rain and the flooding because the runways were flooded. Okay, so that is not going to solve our problem because it's too abrupt, and uh, it, the runoff will erode the earth rather than feeding the earth. Only moderate rain that is extended over a, a week or two that would be the ideal, but that's not what climate change is delivering for us. It's extreme dry and then abruptly extreme wet. And no, there has been no planning for it, which was my point uh, as I began this, uh, this talk today. I'm just hoping and praying that other states that are also suffering from drought or other uh, tornadoes, for instance, which are uh, double, more than doubly fierce. They're uh, many times as destructive as the, the old-time tornadoes were. I just hope that they have the sense to legislate and plan for climate change because it is real and it is upon us. Yeah, amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Um, again... And when you talk about the weather, it's usually casual. You know, isn't it hot out there? Is it hot enough for you? It's all this. Uh, nothing casual about this, Doc. And, uh, you know, very disturbing what's going on. It's funny how, uh, how you touch on, uh, on the fact that uh, San Antonio, um, uh, they, they were scared. You know, people were scared off uh, for, uh, for San Antonio because of the uh, the the quote unquote protesters or or whatever the the angry people, and you were one of those people getting the signatures, you know that's just uh, you know it's 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 either apropos or ironic depending on how one would look at it, um, you know uh, just uh, you know just just interesting you know just uh, the the whole thing is is fascinating, uh, Phoenix my God. Uh, I can't imagine uh, picking a hotter spot. When I think of of hot in uh, in America, I think I don't know either Miami or or Phoenix for some reason. You mm -hmm. know? 
uh, even much more so than, than San Antonio, which is, by the way, that's not exactly Alaska, you know, it's uh, not exactly Fairbanks, uh, San Antonio. But uh, I, to me, uh, the average temperatures in, in both, um, well, put Miami aside, because I'm just, that's just conjecture on my part, but uh, in, uh, in Phoenix, to me, would be much higher than, yes. than, than San Antonio, correct? Yes, usually about 10 degrees hotter. Yeah, and they went to Phoenix <laughs> instead of San Antonio. Wow. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what anyone, I mean, just politics aside for a second, I, I don't know anyone in their right mind who could possibly think that climate change doesn't exist or that we're not in a, a climate crisis. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is is just open a newspaper. Uh, forget about a newspaper. Go on the internet. It it's it's not a political issue. The weather is not a political issue. Our our uh, our world globally, our uh, the the health of our world uh, isn't a political. It shouldn't be. You know, I know pan- not be, right. pandemics became. You know, a pandemic became a political football and and everything else. But uh, you know, global. Global uh, climate change, uh, global warming is just you know I I I've had a couple times on on my uh, my other show and uh, on a sh- another another show I had Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and uh, and and he had said about the um, he had he had uh, said about uh, COVID nineteen that we have to. We have to stop treating it. And he said this a while ago, you know, to me on air, you know, on records, not telling tales out of school. But he said when we stop looking at it like a weather event, uh, COVID, it, it, we can get somewhere. But people are treating it like a weather event, almost like a hurricane or a tornado. He said it's not and everything else. But this is a weather event. But it's, right. it's mm-hmm. a permanent Weather event, uh, the the climate crisis that we have, the, uh, the 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 global warming that we have, the climate uh, change that we have. How anyone in their right minds, anyone in their right minds, could possibly uh, think that we're not experiencing climate change is beyond me. I don't know who who they are. I, do you know numbers? I, have you heard? You know, this percentage of people think this, or in this. Do you, do you have anything like that or any guesses? Oh, yes. Well, oh. Uh, I, I was at the gym this morning working out, and my uh, my trainer, uh, we were talking about the uh, the deluge in, uh, in Dallas. And she said, well, you know, that's typical for Texas. It, uh, just wait a minute. If you don't like the weather, just wait a minute, and it'll change. Yeah. And so what she was actually saying is, oh, well, this is just normal. Uh, the weather li- is like this in Texas all the time. Well, it ain't. I mean, we we are <laughs> we are uh, creating records, uh, record high temperatures and record uh, long droughts and severe droughts and record de- deluges. Uh, and up in the northern part of Texas, record tornadoes. Uh, so uh, that is not typical Texas weather. Uh, but I think many, many Texans uh, who are uh, of the uh, more Trumpist persuasion uh, will will talk like that about uh, about weather uh, the weather change about uh, global warming. 
Uh, and so uh, you can't win. I mean, <laughs> I think it would take much more. It would take a real cataclysm like a, a huge earthquake or something like that, perhaps, uh, for, uh, for people to wake up and say, oh, well, maybe this is connected with uh, extreme heat in uh, one one portion of the, the uh, planet and extreme cold in another one that uh, uh, causes the earth to buckle. Uh, Anyway, I'm just uh, uh, just trying to give you the uh, the other side. The other side is nothing's wrong. Uh, just wait a moment, and it will get back to normal. I think that's what the hope is. You know, Doc, uh, there's a uh, there's a very silly thing that goes on here in New York, where I am on on Long Island, and and some people that are dismissing uh, climate, uh, uh, you know, climate change. Um, talk about uh it, well for example uh you know i was it, it was a very cold day it was it was freezing cold and uh there was snow coming down and and i popped in and i saw a bunch of people that were kind of like deniers say hey how about that global warming how about that global yeah. and they were all laughing almost joyous over the fact that uh, that they're pointing to something that uh that that is proving us wrong well glo- global warming is is maybe the wrong term for it. it. Obviously, global warming is a fact, but it's climate change is what it is. Yeah, climate change, change. I think has become the dominant term. Yes, actually, it should be, and and, right. and certainly should be. But the thing is that they're they're almost joyous, and oh, look at a snow come yeah. down. How could? Of course, we're in New York, but when I was a when I was a child, we had snowstorms constantly. You know, we had freezing cold weather uh, constantly. Um, it was just a, uh, you know, it's it, we don't have it here, and every once in a while we'll get we'll get blasted with something. But if if they if you look at it in terms of climate change, that the climate is changing, uh, you know, you can't deny it. I mean, you get an almanac where you get uh, forget the almanac, just uh, weather history, weather history of of New York and Long Island, and and what the winters were like. And you can see the snowfall, you can see the uh, the weather, you can see the temperature, and everything else. I mean, it's it's silly that people are are denying this. It, it's it's cataclysmic for us to ignore climate change. When that one guy got in there, uh, uh, and it was President Trump who put him in, Scott Pruitt. I, I mean, and and he was uh, he was the head of the EPA. Right, he was the head of the Environmental Protection Agency. When I heard that, that he was a he was a climate control denier, I, I, I thought to myself, why don't you just you know why don't you just grab foxes and put them in charge of the hen houses and and why don't we just why don't we just throw all logic out? What was Scott Pruitt doing in a position like that? You know, I mean, it's it, you know, I, I mean, he he's completely I, look. If you want to put somebody in there that 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 makes some quotes, uh, you know that that are, are not quote unquote panicky, yeah. But to put a climate, uh, uh, a climate change denier in the EPA, I, I mean, right. to me that was just I, uh, to me that was frightening. When when Scott Pruitt, yeah, well, of course, of course he wanted to do that um, <laughs> because he, of course, wanted uh, to. To uh, disrupt uh, all of the uh, all of the liberal, so-called liberal causes, uh, he, he, I'm speaking of uh, the former president, of course. Uh, 
anything that was uh, a, a darling cause for the liberals was going to be uh, attacked one way or another by him, uh, such as the uh, putting Mr. DeJoy in uh, as uh, postmaster general. Uh, in order to destroy the post office, which uh, he has uh, done, he's gone quite a, a distance in that direction, uh, and he's still there, even though uh, he was a Trump appointee for the purpose of getting rid of the post office, and that the goal there was, of course, to get rid of mail-in ballots. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes no no sense to put a climate denier in as the head of the EPA, uh, just as it doesn't make sense to put a, a, a man who uh, is uh, charged with destroying the Postal Service in uh, as head of the post office. Uh, and uh, this was the sort of thing that Trump was doing uh, right along. And if he gets back in... Uh, Watch out! All of our uh, goods and services are going to be disrupted because he will. He, first of all, he's not going to leave after four years. Um, anyway, I don't want to get on uh, get off on that subject. No, that's uh, well. We could we could do shows and shows and shows on on that subject, but uh, but here you know the, this is. Uh, you know, this is uh, uh, fascinating. What you're talking about, disturbing, fascinating, everything else. Uh, can you? Uh, I, how, how do you wrap it up? Uh, give us a, a final word on what we're talking about here. What? Uh, what do you? What do you expect an outcome to be on the positive side, and, and what's worst case scenario? Well. Uh Nate Silver seems to uh, to be thinking that perhaps uh, the re Republican takeover at the midterm, uh, during the midterm election, might not come to pass uh, because a number of the uh, races uh, of the most uh, uh, the most visible uh, races uh, are going very slightly towards the Democrats at this point. So perhaps there is a chance for those people, those that group of people, and that includes independents and uh, people who have no affiliation at all, uh, might be on the side of preserving the planet and doing something about climate change, which is one of my major uh, concerns, because all other concerns are subordinate to it if the planet goes to pot uh, and uh, and we are in the, uh, the very earth that we uh, depend on uh, is uh, in the process of going down, being destroyed. Uh, everything else, every other human endeavor will obviously go with it. So our primary concern should be to do everything we can to preserve our planet. And that goes uh, to what you're going to vote for as well and who you're going to vote for. So think about that uh, as, you, uh, as you plan your vote. Are these people going to be sincerely concerned and active in helping Mother Earth recover from what we have done to it. Uh, and notice that we actually have, because climate ha is changing and has changed. It's not a myth. 
And it is we human beings who have done this thing, and therefore we can cure it if we work hard and start right now. Uh, Doc and, and audience, I don't know if you can hear, but I'm mobile. I'm in my Prius. Uh, I, I always have a Prius. And, and I am I am mobile uh, for this uh, particular show, and I'm getting pelted with, with a, a, a rainstorm. Do you hear? Can you hear the uh, background, or, or am I... Uh, uh, well, uh, trust me, I'm getting pelted with uh, uh-huh. with rain in, in a safe car. No, it's it's I'm not out there, but uh, it's as we're talking about the climate changing. Uh, here we are in August, and by the way, it's it, it's not unusual, I guess, to get a rainstorm from time to time. But there are there are places in the in the country you could certainly use this kind of this kind of pouring, this kind of weather. But anybody who's still denying climate change is um, are out of their minds. And again, it's, yes. I, I'm an independent. You know, I'm not a, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a tree hugging uh, liberal or an extreme right wing crazy, you know, right wing guy. I'm a, I'm in the middle. I'm a very moderate person. Actually, I think you're fairly moderate too, to be honest with you, Doc. And uh, you know, I know you're a Democrat, and you say that, um, and you're a proud Democrat. But I, I don't think of you being extreme at all on any of these issues. I think you, you, you have a tremendous amount of. Um, uh, uh, you know, moderation in you. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if I could think of an extreme view that you have. Really, I mean, you're. Uh, you know, you're you're fairly middle of the road. I would think. Well, yeah, I do see both sides. So, uh, if, if, if both sides uh, are reasonable, I use my uh, my reason in uh, in choosing what I believe and what I work for. That is true. Uh, and I think some of the extremes uh, have abandoned reason. <laughs> well. uh, it, it's as if at the gates of, uh, of the inferno, as if Dante had said, abandon all reason ye who enter here <laughs> uh, for, for what's going on on the extreme left and the extreme right. Um, but that uh, is something that I do look for. Is it reasonable? Is it achievable? Uh, and then I will go for it. Wow. Nice to end with a, a quote from Dante. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I should say that in, in Washington sometimes, I believe, right? Abandon all hope, uh, ye who enter here, or reason, <laughs> ye who enter here. Uh, a great quote, one of my favorite from from uh, uh, from from Dante. Uh, there, there's another one in there, too, uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think Dante said... Uh, 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 the hottest places in hell are reserved for men who simply can't make up their minds, and uh, <laughs> that you know that might fall into some uh, you know uh, some of our discussions as well. Doc, thank you very much. Uh, stay safe there, and uh, and we got a lot more uh, a lot lot more to talk about, uh, especially as as we nearer closer to this election, probably ninety days away the midterm, and it should be very interesting. Uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. Thank you very much. You're most welcome, Frank. Thank you. And to all of you, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you know, we know you have a lot of options, but you've been listening to the author of 16 books, our host each and every week, and the last two are before the Alamo, and then her latest is The Choice, which has nothing to do with Roe v. Wade. It's uh, <laughs> both great books, and uh, please get those books. 
and uh, she's the subject of a documentary. She's she's gotten more done. She's the the grand, grandma Moses of broadcasting. Uh, she's gotten more done in the last couple of years, uh, and started at a senior age. Uh, you know, never before, and now you know she's on 124 different outlets. She's got a documentary. Uh, again, the book started uh, early enough, but uh, but still, uh, two books <laughs> in the last, you know, several months. You know, in, in less than a, in less than a year, two books and more to come. Her memoir, which will be fascinating. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>